fan. You're listening to Inside the Crew, the only radio show dedicated to all things Columbus Crew and the beautiful game. Sponsored by Coda, a trusted mobility sponsor of the Columbus Crew. Here's your host, Chris Doran. And welcome to Inside the Crew, a disappointing 1-1 draw with Philadelphia on the weekend. We'll talk about that, as well as Cucho Hernandez's stock seems to be rising. Home games and the digital clock lady in the supporter section. That's coming up. And Apple TV's Kevin Egan joins us, as well as New England Revs radio man Brad Feldman. Another busy week for the Black and Gold. We've got a game tomorrow night, and then on Saturday we'll talk about those matches. Our show tonight brought to you by Typico Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the Columbus Crew, and by Ohio Cat the official construction equipment provider of the Columbus crew. Philadelphia playing their third game in eight days on the weekend. They wanted to make it a 45-minute game, so what they did was they kept some starters out, played a low block of eight, conceded possession. Columbus found some chances, just weren't able to convert. And at the halftime break, Philly brought in three players who account for 32 goals this season. In the 50th minute, one of the guys who was not a part of that sub uh, entourage, Nathan Harriel getting the go-ahead goal for Philadelphia on a set piece and a moment that Wilfred Nancy said was not emblematic of the overall good performance for the Columbus crew, but it's obviously something that uh, the crew have got to pay attention to. Again, this is a, this is this kind of detail that we have to be better because like I told them, they, they had a really top game, uh, first half and, uh, and second half. We, we, the way we attacked um, a low block, um, Yes, we, we didn't score. Uh, we scored only one goal, but we could have scored more goals. But I really like the way we attacked the box uh, against a low block. So that's why for me, I told them that to, to concede a goal like this, this it, 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 it hurts, you know, for, 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 for everyone. Because they, with uh, what they did during the game, they don't deserve that. But at the same time, they deserve it because... They have to be accountable on, on that one. Columbus Crew head coach Wilfried Nancy. Uh, Cucho Hernandez with the converted penalty kick in the 73rd minute, his eighth goal on the month. He is up for player of the month in the league. He scored more goals than any other player in September. And the balloting will be counted, and it will be a result we expect tomorrow midday. With the draw, Columbus is in fifth place. They've got a date tomorrow night versus New England. They're two points ahead of Columbus. And a date on Saturday with Atlanta, who is currently one point behind the black and gold. Wilfried Nazi said these last two games on the road are a matter of exporting the way the crew want to play to see if we can be successful. This is just an opportunity to show that can we be, uh, uh, we have standard and, uh, and uh, expectation. Is it possible to keep this, uh, this standard? Not expectation, because at the, at the same time, expectation sometimes this is... You cannot control that, but the standard, what we want to do, we can control that, and this is what we want to put in place. So, for me, I'm really happy to play against uh, uh, New England, knowing that, uh, yes, this is tough. Atlanta, this is tough also. It's going to be difficult, but at the same time, what can we do against this type of uh, team, but also environment? And knowing that two games away, 
it's a good, good, good exercise for us, and uh, I really uh, uh, like it. Columbus Crew head coach Wilfried Nancy looking forward to tomorrow night's game against the Revs. Game time, 7.39. We'll have the pregame show, show for you on the fan at 7 o'clock. Columbus looking to make some headway in the Eastern Conference standings and secure a spot in the top four. They've got Atlanta on Saturday after this New England game tomorrow night, and then a couple of weeks break before the October 21st home game. That wraps up the regular season on Fan Appreciation Day against Montreal. That's a 6 o'clock kickoff, by the way. One of the people involved with that is Courtney Sullivan, who happens to be the clock lady, the digital clock lady, during added time during home games. She gets her camera time from the in-stadium camera crew who put her picture up on the big screen while she holds a digital clock displaying the added time in the game. And it happens each half. And I absolutely adore this feature. She joins us on the phone now. Courtney, how is it that you ended up with the job as digital clock lady? <laughs> well, working with Match Day, we work with the Norjack and work very close with, you know, game day operations and a lot of the front office with the crew. And at the beginning of the season, one of their biggest notes that they would get from their post-match surveys was that people wanted to see what stoppage time is. And per MLS regulation, you can't have it up necessarily on the big screen or you can't have it showing necessarily in a fixture in the stadium. So we kind of spruced the idea, worked with how to edge around it without fully breaking a rule. So we came up with the idea of what if a quote-unquote fan had their own clock and then they just showed it on the camera on the big screen that it's not a permanent fixture, it's not technically breaking an MLS rule. (laughs) And we kind of fixed it. I didn't even let the idea fully finish, and I just yelled, I volunteer as tribute. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. Now, um, you know, I had so many questions going into the weekend. This was the second to last home game of the season. I see you on the big screen, and I, I neglected to look at the fourth official for added time. You've got the running clock going in added time, both in the first and second halves. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be perfect. I can track it this way. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, how does she get that clock into the building through security? We have that. So when we go in the mornings, our uh, myself and our other uh, game day operations uh, director, Scott Spencer, we go in with a group of volunteers at 930 every match day morning, or if it's a Wednesday, you know, a different fixed time. And we hang all those rail banners. Um, so that's when we bring equipment like that in. We make sure all the smoke bombs are secure and set. We put all the rail banners up. There's that corner section that has the red and yellow cards. We make sure those are out for those folks. And we get all of our chant cards ready, um, help the drum course set up their drums. So it's a whole pre-match operational thing to get things ready before gates open later in the day. So there's a lot of work involved. It's not just holding the clock during added time. Not necessarily, no. You have a lot of prep that goes into that. That's just the really fun one that I'm glad it's had the response it has. Cause there was a couple games where I wasn't personally there and then the clock got misplaced and then we were able to replace it and find it. But I remember someone posting where they were like, where's the clock lady? I miss her. I can't, I, I need to find the clock. <laughs> Courtney Sullivan joins us on Inside the Crew. She's the clock lady uh, or in charge of the digital clock. And as we've just learned so much more on game day uh, with your colleagues, with the uh, supporters groups and curious about um, whether or not 
you know, you thought 16 home games ago that this digital clock concept would be as popular as it is. It's kind of taken off. It really has. I didn't, like I said, I did not expect the response at first i thought people would be like what is this crazy lady doing with a clock and they're not wrong i'm a crazy lady but um the fact that people really enjoyed it that you know it gives that perspective not only just flashing it with nordeca but trying to get the other parts of section and when it gets on that big screen everyone can kind of keep that check so they're not you know once stoppage times announced pulling out their phones getting the timers out or i've known people that would bring digital stopwatches in and wear it around their neck ready to Right. Do it just gives more of the fan experience. So it's not necessarily on them to have to keep that extra time, which is nice. Courtney Sullivan joins us on Inside the Crew, the crazy clock lady and her entourage of um, of volunteers who help on game day to make the game day experience for everybody at Lower.com feel that much more exciting. Have you been surprised by the number of sellouts we've had? We're now at 14, probably working on 15 for the season against uh, Montreal on the 21st. I'm not necessarily surprised that we got to this point. I think I'm more surprised at how quickly we got there. I knew that with the new stadium, the new ownership, especially with Nasi coming in and the amount of players that we've been able to acquire, I knew that we were only building bigger and better things. And I know that once I joined onto the board last year and we started getting creative and kind of preparing for this season, we wanted to get, maybe four or five sellouts, Mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of the bigger matches and just depending how the team was going to be performing. I don't think we ever in our wildest dreams imagined that whatever percentage, 80% of the season would be sellout games, which is amazing. Courtney, uh, thank you so much for being with us. It's so great to have you on the show. We'll look forward to seeing you at the next home game, the last regular season home game on October 21st during added time on the big screen at Lower.com Field. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. All right, Courtney Sullivan joining us. We've got Kevin Egan waiting in the wings. A little bit later, Brad Feldman joins us. It's Inside the Crew, brought to you by our friends at Tipico, the official sports betting partner of the Black and Gold. On the flagship station of the Columbus Crew, this is 97.1 The Fan. A lot of hosts have been on our airways in the past 30 years. Some good, some bad, some really bad. Anyway, sorry for that. The Fan. Fan. And welcome back to Inside the Crew. At Wendy's, we're focused on what matters, and that's why we've made our hamburger square. When you want the best hamburger, square's the beef. Black and gold on the road tomorrow night. Match up against uh, New England in Foxborough. They'll be wearing the yellow, black, and yellow kits. And then the crew on the road on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium to take on Atlanta United. That game will feature Columbus dressed in the all-yellow kits. A guy familiar with Atlanta because he is the former television voice of the Atlanta United broadcasts. And now with Apple TV, Kevin Egan joins us on the program. Kevin, thanks for joining us on the show. You're going to be on the mic tomorrow night in Foxborough. What are you expecting from this Columbus-New England matchup? Yeah, great to great to see you here on the Zoom chat, Chris, and great to chat as always. For for anyone that isn't aware, we go way back. You say old friends with commentators together back at the Big Ten Network, you know, over over a decade ago, which is sure. which is wild. And and it's crazy to me. And sorry for going off topic here, but seeing the likes of Eric Zavaleta being a veteran in the league, <sighs> sure, you know, and he's one of these guys that was a big star for Indiana when we were covering Big Ten. So to see him being a father now recently and, and scoring a brace at the weekend, it's just really cool. He made um, the uh, MLSsoccer.com team of the match day, I think, right? Yeah. 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 He made the bench he, for he that. Act- he scored one up the other end as well. He actually technically oh. had a hat trick, but one of them oh. was an own goal. So 
he won't fancy that. But uh, I expect a really, really fascinating game here. And I think given the standings, this is what makes our league so special and the playoff format so special. And I just love it so much um, because you have Orlando in second place through Nashville in seventh place. They're all playing each other on Wednesday night. It, it's it's yeah. like a perfect meeting of Orlando playing Nashville, Philadelphia host Atlanta, and then you have New England uh, welcoming in Columbus. So it's it it's gonna you know I said to our producer for the game, make sure let's let's make sure we have the standings off the scorebook that is the live standings because throughout the entire night that's gonna you know shift and shake, mm-hmm. um, especially you know if, if Columbus can pick up a victory in New England, and I think I think Columbus absolutely can. That would be a huge victory, and it, it could see Columbus jump to third place. You know, as soon as as soon as tomorrow night, and we know how quickly that can last and go away because games come quickly at this time of the year. We get back to work on Saturday against Atlanta, the aforementioned United squad, and you were the voice of Atlanta United when they won the MLS Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, the Campione's Cup. Um, they did it with Darlington Nagby. They did it with Julian Gressel. Darlington said yesterday it'll be special to go back there. He was just sort of forging ahead on his schedule for the week. Does it seem to you that Atlanta has sort of settled now after what appeared to be a little bit of unsettling times during the 2022-2021 season? I think I think that's a great way to put it. It feels that way, at least for, from my perspective and living here in Atlanta. It feels... Like the fans are on board again because they feel that sensation, that positive vibe that the team is heading in the right direction. Now, new leadership in Garth Lagerway as sure. the president of the club. Carlos Bocanegra is still there. Gonzalo Pineda knows Garth Lagerway really well. Gonzalo's an incredibly positive influence around the entire club. Just such a good human being. Mm-hmm. And um, he's now had the luxury of bringing in a player like Moyumba in midfield has been the closest thing Atlanta have seen to Darlington Nagby since he left. And it's, it's his ability to tie the defense to the attack, his ability on the ball. He doesn't cough up possession very easily. Um, and he's been covering every blade of grass and it's allowed, you know, a player like Mateus Osetu or if it's Santiago Sosa to, to really play as that defined six within the team. And Moyumba is going to be elsewhere. And, and Lob Janice has been a big player, but Yak Gamakis and, and then Shande Silva, those two going forward have been, they've been infectious for the crowd. I mean, it, it's been fun to see Atlanta United play recently and they've been stringing together some really good results. So I think this is going to be a brilliant match at the weekend because Columbus under Wilfred Nancy will not shy away from being themselves. And I love that about Wilfred Nancy. He's my favorite coach in the league to speak with mm-hmm. because he, he's, He's so, there's something so pure about him in that it doesn't matter if it's 4-3. He right. just wants to play his style. And for the fans, you see it at lower.com. I mean, when's the last time you didn't have a sellout? It, it's, right. it, it's so cool to see because the style of soccer is really lovable and enjoyable. And the fans want to see that style. So I, I, you, you talk about Atlanta in the early days, the Tata Martino era versus the Frank de Boer era. Tata's mm. style of play was incredibly infectious for everybody, and everybody would talk about how much fun it was. It was nearly counterattacking through possession, drawing teams in, and all of a sudden, boom, pounce. Under Frank de Boer, it was it was so laborsome, it was so boring, mm-hmm. it, it was really tiring for the fans. And I think, yes, you look, they won the US Open Cup and the Campionis Cup with Dagby and Gressel there that year, but the style of play wasn't the same, and it wasn't as much fun. And now with Gonzalo Pineda, it's fun. With Wilfred Nancy, it's fun. So this weekend's game is going to be a belter. 
Devin Egan joins us on Inside the Crew, a voice on MLS Season Pass with Apple TV. FC Cincinnati with the Supporters' Shield. They've got 65 points. If they win out the last three games, they'll set a new record for points earned in an MLS season. They've got to win out, though. They've got to get all nine. So are you at an advantage if you are playing Cincinnati and they're pushing to get those points? They've got Miami and Atlanta to wrap up the season. Do you think they'll push? <clears throat> Do you think that matters to Pat Noonan right now? That's a good question, man. I, I don't I mean, think it does. He's a competitor. You don't think it matters? I think Pat's, Pat's had a real struggle with resting certain players that absolutely want to play at all times. Okay. And I just wonder, in this next game for Cincinnati, I, I could see them wanting, in this game this weekend, they, they're at home against the New York Red Bulls. <clears throat> Excuse me. For me, that's a perfect opportunity to say to Bupenza, to say to Lucho Acosta, to maybe say to Matt Miazga, guys, Rest your legs this week. We've got two more games after that to come against Inter Miami away and then Atlanta United at home. That's when we'll get our mojo and our momentum going and everything toward the playoffs. But I don't, I think Cincinnati's season has already been a tremendous success, but they don't want to lay an egg at home in the playoffs. Right. Now in the best of three series, as we know, Chris, you're going to have to go away from home as well. But for Cincinnati to have that home advantage all throughout as the number one seed, what a huge advantage, a TQL that's a sellout every single game of the season so far this year. Like firm favorites to win it all. No question about that. But Noonan's got to get it right. And so far with Chris Albright, Pat Noonan, everything that club has done with the fans in the Bailey and it, it's been so cool to see. <clears throat> and there's no reason why they shouldn't be favorites. Kevin, you and I live in the East Coast. You work all the games, West or Eastern Conference. But it's interesting to look at the Western Conference right now. Two to three games to go for all the teams. A dozen teams are vying for playoff <laughs> spots. St. Louis is the only team that's locked it in, man. What yeah. is going on in the Western Conference? It's like they don't... Like here's, here's a great stat to put that perfectly in perspective. The second place team in the West has a negative goal differential. Oh, isn't that man. wild? Yeah, like, RSL, right? Wild. Yeah. yeah. Usually, mm -hmm. I mean, you'd have this sixth, seventh place team still have, you know, positive goal differentials, but Real Salt Lake went through a horrendous patch after they lost Pablo Ruiz uh, against LAFC earlier on the summer. And before that, they were the road warriors. They were tremendous under Pablo Mastroeni on their travels. And now they turn a corner against LAFC on Sunday. But it's it's there for everybody. I mean, even Sporting Kansas City are three points off, having played an extra game. Minnesota have made the playoffs in four straight years under Adrian Heath. He's proud of that. He will not want to fall short, especially with arguably the best squad that he's ever had at Minnesota. And it looks like Austin now are, are too far adrift. But LA Galaxy have that extra game in hand, and they'll feel they have a chance. And and that's all you need is that hope going into the last few games. But uh, But I'm with you. I mean... It's wild to think that LAFC could finish outside the top four, given that they were everybody's favorite this year. heading in, And the Galaxy could game. finish in the top nine. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. <laughs> Galaxy, Galaxy were in the top four last year. Like Austin were second last year. I know. That's crazy. It's crazy to me. The difference this season, St. Louis were predicted to finish well outside the playoff positions. Yeah. And, not among, not, not among present company. You and I said they were going to be pretty good. I, I don't know I'm if joking, I did. I'm joking. I just don't yeah. want to be made fun of on social media. <laughs> but I don't know if I did. I I didn't know enough about them. No, and me neither. This year, like, I didn't know that Joao Klaus would be the success that he's been. I didn't know that Edward Leuven is as good as he is or that they'd get the tune out of, I mean, Josh Yarrow. These sorts of MLS players that have been around for years. Yeah. Um, Stroud, you know, you go through the Parkers of the world that have been tremendous. But I, I think, and I love these conversations, Chris, because... 
what we're seeing with the league now is clear identities among most teams. And it's usually the teams that are successful, right? Like St. Louis polled the local community to ask them, what type of soccer do you want to see? And the local community overwhelmingly said, we want to replicate what we see with the blues. We want the high octane in your face, Midwestern style. And they said, great. Okay. So let's bring in, you know, the, the fan and steel. And let's bring in Bradley Carnell, who's got that New York Red Bulls um, experience, you know, mm-hmm. the Red Bull system experience. And let's bring in the type of player that's going to work for our system. You see it with Cincinnati, Pat Noonan, Chris Albright on the same page and exactly what they want to try and do. Like a player like Obi Wobodo has been tremendous for the way they want to play. And it's a lesson for everybody that we've, I live in Atlanta. We've had teams that don't look anything like the previous regime and it doesn't work. When you can bring in a coach and, and you know, Chris from coaching and, and, and have a style and philosophy and a way of thinking with the team, with the overall club, it really helps. And it's an easier transition for all the players. Kevin Egan, Apple TV. He'll be on the game tomorrow night, New England, hosting the Columbus crew. As always, great to talk to you. Thanks for being on the show. Likewise, bud. Can't wait for it. Thank you. Kevin Egan, tomorrow night on Apple TV. I'm on the radio tomorrow night, 97.1 The Fan. Pre-game broadcast begins at 7 o'clock. Kickoff Columbus and New England at 7.39. Thanks to Michael Stahl for tracking me down in the parking lot just outside Lower.com Field on Saturday. He's a freelance writer out of New York, New York City, that is. And he and I were able to uh, to chat about his history with the club, which began back during the Save the Crew movement when he as an independent journalist came out to document what was going on to help the club uh, be saved and kept in the city of Columbus. Great guy, lots of energy, gets out for a couple of home games every season, listens to the show to keep track of the team, loved knowing that and enjoyed meeting him. Looking forward to seeing him out, if not for the Montreal game in a few weeks, certainly for playoff games as we move later into the fall. Michael Stahl. Thanks so much for uh, for popping over and saying hello. Follow him on social media. I know he's on Twitter. He's probably got other handles too, but he is uh, on Twitter with the last name spelled S T A H L. Hey, when we come back, we'll talk to Brad Feldman, longtime voice of the New England Revolution. Dig a little deeper on what to expect tomorrow night as we continue tonight on Inside the Crew. We've been your Jackets flagship station since day one. All the goals, all the action, all the memories. Your home for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Welcome back to Inside the Crew. Columbus's goal differential record of plus 15 was set back in 2020, the MLS Cup year. They are currently at plus 19, even with the draw on the weekend. And with three games to go, they've had an opportunity to uh, set a new mark in the goal differential record department. Let's hope they can do that. Welcome back to Inside the Crew. Like the Columbus Crew, Wendy's new crew meal deal is massive. Grab 18 bucks and feed your crew today at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Brad Feldman is the longtime TV and radio voice of the New England Revolution. He joins us on the show tonight. Brad, welcome. It's ironic that while the worst team in Major League Soccer was welcome, I mean, the best player in the world to their roster. One of the top teams in the league was simultaneously suspending and then, in essence, what, dismissing the winningest coach in the league in Bruce Arena. Have you ever seen rockier times for the New England Revolution? Well, first of all, Chris, it's great to talk to you. Uh, you and I go back a ways uh, uh, in covering this league. Uh, to answer your question, uh, listen, it hasn't been great. Like, it's not – nobody – a person wanted to see what happened with Bruce happen. I can say that 
without any hesitation. It was that was not some aspersions were cast in the initial coverage of it that I think will be hard to be undone, which I don't believe to have been accurate. And I'll say that, you know, like I, without being able to sort of, you know, offer any details to back it up. But I don't think that athletic article that dropped framed it correctly. Mm -hmm. Even if you could, you know, extract some details and make a case that, you know, you know, a lot of that was subjective. Right. And, um, I thought the spin was unfortunate and and difficult now to unwind uh, without, you know, especially since people on the side of the league and the team aren't really able to, to speak to details and very few people know the origin of the complaint. But to that effect, like, I don't think that the revolution and the team were not the ones doing the, you know, he resigned league did the investigation so to frame it as the you know like the revolution suspended him and then he had to leave I, I, like that you know i'm not trying to cri be critical of you chris i think a lot of people are talking about it that way but you know it's not just sort of legalese i think the league hired a a new york law firm that that handles these kind of crises crises and they managed uh the investigation the communication and I, I you know club officials players everyone uh, myself included like, you know i i don't have that firsthand knowledge but I, I i think it's a very i think you count on one hand the number of people who know the source of the complaint the exact complaint and then you know you, you know bruce and don garber were very guarded about specifics when the resignation happened but nobody wanted to see it happen to the winningest coach uh in the history of, of, of the sport in this country and um nobody you know just two years ago he led the revs to a supporter shield and a record number of points in the standings so there are a lot of you know good times um now you know when i first started doing this the, the those straight that strange 2001 season um fernando clavijo rest in peace you know a friend of mine but it, like his team was in disarray yeah. from this in the second half of the 2001 season and he ended up being being uh fired early in 2002 but the the, the the late 2001 revs quite honestly the difference is that the way things were left when bruce resigned there's still you know cohesion and support between and among the players um that was not evident to me i couldn't believe what i walked into when i started covering the team in 01 in an official capacity um it was you know 23 players 23 cabs now wow. th there's you know now there's you know the players and and the staff generally have a lot more unity um and i think that's important for people to know even though the results have been somewhat indifferent you know sort of coming on the back of the the uh, resignation and the, the couple of interim coaching changes um well i go to training uh and while i'm not in the locker room i can read the tea leaves i can i've been around it enough to know when these guys like each other socialize together support each other on and off the field and so in that respect there's not as much wreckage as may some people might speculate there is in part brad is that because the team is sitting in second third place in the eastern conference and the season has been very good well yeah they certainly banked a lot of points in the first half of the season and you know we know in sports winning cures all ills but uh 
you could also flip that equation and say the reason that they're <laughs> in that have that standing is because they're a tight unit and mm-hmm. you know you know they, they're they've they've contended with a lot of injuries if you think about it they're not the only team for sure and it's part part of the the enterprise that they're engaged in but you know not only they had the upheaval with the with the coaching staff but they lost uh, Dylan Barrero, Brandon By, Gustavo Bose missed a, a large chunk of the season. Henry Kessler, starting center back, who was you know just starting to get back to action. There are other guys too who are missing for for long periods, like Tommy McNamara. Um, and for them to be now in, in, in third place with a shout to get second, if they if they get you know good results th- down the stretch here, says a lot about the character of the team, the talent level. Uh, the leadership provided by the players themselves, starting with the captain, Carlos Heel. Uh, and so I think one feeds off of the other. And so, yeah, if, if right, it would be a different conversation if they lost to Charlotte at home the other night, uh, you know, and then they were languishing down in, you know, in, in sixth place below that fourth place line. I think there'd be a little more tension, a little more edge. That's always the way it is. But you know, uh, I think the reason they're able to pull together and get that kind of result when they need it is in part because the, t- the, the group and the team is still very much a team. Brad Feldman joins us on Inside the Crew, longtime TV and radio voice of the New England Revolution, headed up the communications department as well for a Ooh, long stretch. I'd forgotten you? about that. Yeah, <laughs> no, for, for four seasons, but not right. since uh, two, 2006. I've done a lot of different jobs, uh, you know, for plus years i was in charge of the television production a- after the director of communications stretch um and that of course ended with the apple tv deal but i had different titles doing that um you know i miss that sometimes and sometimes i really don't like not getting the call at 6 a.m when the tv truck can't get on the lot i know my right. wife doesn't mi- miss me being <laughs> on duty well, I'm for sure. those kinds of things but yeah. uh those are good tra- i even like I was thinking about it. I, I, I sent Stevie Nichol and a couple of the, the players of, of, you know, how social media gives you like, you know, 10 years ago today kind of thing, memories. And there was a funny video from a preseason trip to Bermuda back in 2005. I said, wow, I ran that trip. That was a very tension-filled, fraught week and a half for me because like everything had to go right. Like if the, if the buses didn't run on, on time, if the meals weren't there, that was on me. So I, I, I've, uh, I've done a lot of different things over the years. It's funny that you bring up Steve Nichol because uh, he is just absolutely one of the delightful characters that I got to know and love in the early years of uh, MLS soccer when you could walk into a coach's locker room essentially right before the game yeah, and they would sit you down and they'd go through their entire game plan. Personnel listed <laughs> on the board and everything. I remember Dom Kinnear did the same thing with me down in Houston. I mean, yep. th- there there were guys who who just did not they they were in it because they were passionate about it and they're in it now it's the same thing but there's just a lot there's a bigger security wall isn't there in major league soccer and for good reason yeah like the league has grown the media coverage has grown um you know part of it is just see you know the balance between you know do the teams need the media more than the media needs the teams and then you get to a tipping point uh, i'm not sure we're there yet i do think that in you know like I've also dealt with coaches over the years who wouldn't give you the lineup even after the game started. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, uh, 
Like, how do you know he was playing left back? It's like, well, you played him left back last week, and uh, <laughs> then we saw him actually like standing next to the center back on the left side of the field. Um, oh, and man. don't stre- don't stress out. I think he won the game. We we right. got the formation right. Aren't you happy for us? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so no, Stevie Nichols is a one-off though, and when he worked with with uh, my my good friend Paul Mariner, like oh, that, great those guy, the, those, those were the days, man. I'll tell you, it was like they were very open, but not you know, Stevie, and I think you know this was cagier than people gave him credit for. He seemed very open and sort of maybe almost obtuse, but he was crazy like a fox, you know, and. The things that they thought were most important that they had to, the secrets they needed to guard, they knew how to do it. And um, I saw it firsthand. And they just had a code. It wasn't a, a strategy that was spoken. It was just something understood. And one of the reasons why a Nickel and Mariner made such a good team is that even though they didn't really know each other until they came to MLS, they played against each other and had mutual friends. But there was this implicit understanding of how you handle things. And... Um, a lot of that was a lot of rollicking fun, but came to the game. Those guys were almost medieval. It was Game of Thrones mentality for the 90 minutes plus, and then it was back to the last. I'll tell you what, the, both those guys, just great characters in the history of Major League Soccer. Thanks for the uh, check back into history. I appreciate it. Hey, Brad, hang on the phone here for us just for a second. I want to ask a couple more questions before we let you go. We'll take a break and remind everybody that if you're riding in your car or truck, please remember to buckle your safety belt. This message brought to you by the Ohio Department of Public Safety. If you're not buckled up, what's holding you back? Brad Feldman of New England Revolution Radio and Television History joins us in just a moment as we continue tonight on Inside the Crew. A lot has changed in 30 years, but we're still that old shoe that feels worn in and well-loved. And, well, we smell a little, but you've accepted that. The Fan. Fan. Welcome back to Inside the Crew. Columbus with a couple of road games, three games in eight days total. Got the draw on the weekend, on the road to New England tomorrow night, and then Atlanta on Saturday. First things first, the revolution tomorrow night. Longtime broadcaster for the club, Brad Feldman, joins us on Inside the Crew. Brad, want to talk about Clint P.A., the interim coach for New England, a part of the New England Revs 2 organization, and then popping over to help with Richie Williams, and then Richie Williams moved out of that spot and uh pa moves into the interim head coach spot so what's working for new england right now you know what's working is an interesting question because after the first game uh pa uh did something of a hybrid system that we've seen in the premier league with teams like arsenal and liverpool where they invert the fullback when the team's in possession so you go to three at the back push one of the two outside backs into the midfield in a more central position. And they use Matt Polster for that. Now, Matt Polster had played right back um, occasionally for the Revs, Rangers in Scotland, Chicago before that. It's not his natural or preferred position. Can do a job there. So they're trying to get the best of both worlds. And also, you know, but they've been very static in the attack through a game and a half and we'd even said pregame like why don't they put him at right back instead of left back because he's not a le- he's not a left back he can do it but he's right footed um and then i think a lot of it had mckinsey Gaines was giving him a little bit of trouble with with his speed um even though he, he defended well against charlotte at halftime they made the switch that charlie davies and i had been 
kind of anticipating. They switched to Juan Jones and Matt Polster, and that helped a lot. Um, what, what they really need is you know, to get one more guy joining the attack, and Juan mm-hmm. Jones can do that to good effect. Without Brandon By, you're not going to get that sort of double, you know, pronged uh, attack down, down the flanks with two flyers out there who can both cross the ball. Uh, so I still think that it's not home. It was a lot more aggressive, definitely than they had been on, on the road the previous week in that formation. I think as long, you know, one of the reasons why the revolution are undefeated at home, the only remaining undefeated team in the league at home this season is because of, you know, Bruce arena's front foot mentality. And if they can, recapture some of that you know they they need to just get the ball with carlos heel in dangerous areas and then they look like a good right. attacking team because the yeah. guy's a surgeon he's a surgeon and uh so you know you know i think clint pa has done a good job of sort of settling those unsettled waters and then you know and in, sort of in terms of the mentality and the trust and all that but then on on match night then then you know a little bit a little bit more rocket fuel and we started to see some of that. So, you know, just four games to go before the playoffs. I think his tweaks are starting, you know, you know, it's almost like a second preseason, you know, and now they're starting to, you know, put those those changes into good into good effect. Brad Feldman joins us on Inside the Crew, longtime TV and radio voice of the New England Revolution, the crew and the Revs tomorrow night, Foxborough. Game time is seven thirty-nine. We'll have the pregame for you at 7 o'clock on 97.1 The Fan. Last time these two teams met was in April. 1-1 draw at Lower.com Field. Ironically, the last five regular season matchups between these two squads have ended in draws. Uh, New England last beat Columbus 1-0 at Gillette in 2021. And the crew's last win in Foxborough was in 2019. Do you find that away teams are also struggling with the transition to the turf in New England? Or is that just something that we in the media tend to blow up? How's this? If you're pulling for the revolution as a supporter, or if you have you know a professional affiliation with the revolution, yes, it, the turf is a is a nightmare. You should be seeing it in your dreams. Um, like if that's a psychological barrier for visiting opponents, the revs are like, hey, we didn't install the field. You know, right. that's we we got to play the same conditions. And if that's helping, here's what I would say. This is my own opinion. Like. The problem in Atlanta, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, Charlotte, you know, like where, where is it not an issue? For some reason, some weird reason, people moan about it more. I don't know why. It's not a narrative that like Atlanta and, and Seattle who have won championships, that somehow it's, you know, detrimental or unfair advantage or, or more impactful to players uh safety than any other turf field turf is not ideal um especially for older players right the impact and and uh you know the spin of the ball and everything like we know what the detractors are but the revs have clearly learned to play on it use it to their advantage and Carlos heel manages to lead the league or be somewhere close in assists mm-hmm. on that surface and Lionel messi even said no i'm not adverse to playing on it uh, averse to playing on it because I grew up playing on turf fields as a young player in in Argentina. So there you go. I'm not right. saying it's 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 the the right solution, but if if opposing teams want, you know have that in their head that this is the worst turf field and we can't play soccer, I think the Revolution would be like, fine, 
Enjoy. (laughs) Do you think uh, Clint PA and the rest of the staff will be able to um, get across to the Revs that tomorrow night's game should feel like a playoff game in terms of the way they approach the, the match and the way they execute? So from the Revolution's perspective, um, I think because of the home field advantage that we, we were talking about, the Revs as much as any team, you know, everybody loves their home fans and their home cooking and their, and their bed sure. uh, the night before the game. But you would think that the Revs, you know, getting that, you know, they're not obviously now mathematically not going to get the getting second, third or fourth and getting that first round, you know, home field advantage might be even more of an edge for the Revs. So if they want if they want to switch it on in the playoffs, the chances of that happening increase with every point you back before the end of the regular season. So you would think that urgency uh all you gotta do is look at you know the expanded league table, see where you stand, see that cluster of other teams from second to seventh, um and see that, you know, when you look in the uh, home record column you know the the revolution are 11 0 and 4 nobody else in the league let alone the east have that zero in the middle of their record so yeah there's a lot to play for brad thanks so much for being with us it's always great to talk to you good luck tomorrow night with the call from foxborough we'll have the coverage here in columbus for new england and the columbus crew as they battle it out in the top half of the eastern conference standings and see who wins in the end and earns the necessary points to secure a home spot in the playoffs. Brad Feldman of uh, New England Revolution Radio and television history, too, with that club, and a lot of history, I should say, with the New England Revolution. Tipico Sportsbooks, the official sports betting partner of the Black and Gold, and Ohio Cat is the, speci- is the official construction equipment provider of the Columbus crew. They are our sponsors tonight, and we thank you for being with us. We also thank our producer at 97.1 The Fan, as well as Rob McBurnett, Eunice Kim, and Esteban Osegueda for their help in securing audio for tonight's show. Our thanks as well to Kirk Reynolds of MLS Soccer for securing the interview tonight with Kevin Egan. We'll have the broadcast for you tomorrow night on The Fan. We'll begin at 7 o'clock with the pregame show. 7.39 kickoff, the black and gold on the road taking on the revolution. On the flagship station of the Columbus crew, this is The Fan. If you'd like to devote your entire life to football, we can help with that. Football Friday is coming. Sponsored by the Bet Park Sportsbook app. The Fan, broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus.